Will you pray with me? Gracious God, we thank you for you shared with us this morning the talent of such wonderful singing. And we bring our gifts, our tithes to you that you would bless to your kingdom. Amen. Well, as Fred said, this rock is not to pitch at the preacher. Although for some reason, Ken, my husband has two of them. Uh, yes, in case you miss. I'm Patty Connolly, one of the pastors here, and it is my joy to share the word with you this morning. We are in the second of our series on David, a man after God's own heart, his ups, his downs, his triumphs, and his failures. And last week, Ed shared about David's heart and how he pursued God. So today, we're going to talk about a story I'm sure most of you know, David and Goliath, and the confidence David had. So let's go to our scripture this morning. We are on 1 Samuel 17, 34 to 50. Hear the word of the Lord. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And whenever a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock, I went after it and struck it down, rescuing the lamb from its mouth. And if it turned against me, I would catch it by the jaw, strike down and kill it. Your servant has killed lions and bears. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them. Since he has defied the armies of the living God. David said, the Lord who saved me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will save me from the hand of this Philistine. So Saul said to David, go and may the Lord be with you. Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a bronze helmet on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. David strapped Saul's sword over the armor and he tried in vain to walk for he was not used to them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot walk in these, for I am not used to them. So David removed them. Then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the wadi and put them in his shepherd's bag in the pouch. His sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. The Philistine came on and drew near to David with his... <clears throat> <clears throat> shield bearer in front of him. When the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. The Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air, and to the wild animals of the field. But David said to the Philistine, You come to me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This very day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. And I will give the dead bodies of the Philistine army this very day to the birds of the air 
and to the wild animals of the earth, so that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord does not save by sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. When the Philistine drew nearer to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. David put his hand in his bag, took a stone, slung it, and struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, striking the Philistine and killing him. And there was no sword in David's hand. This is the word of God for the people of God. So if you have been in Bible school, Sunday school, any kind of church study, I know you know this story. It's about David, a small kid, who struck down a Goliath with a stone shot from a sling. And if you want to be particularly gory, you also share with the children that he cut off his head. And like so many stories in the Bible, there's a lot to learn from them. But I want to concentrate my remarks on David's confidence. But first, I would like to share with you someone who also had confidence. No, it is not Ken, okay? I have put him under the bus enough. But I want you to decide if this person had her confidence well-placed. My grandmother, Strawn, this is my maternal grandmother, was German, very stubborn, very loving, and drove like a bat out of, or was a lead foot. She drove a 1964 Rambler with three on the tree. Now, most of you may not be old enough to know what three on the tree is, but it is when your gear shift is on your column. And there's first, second, jerk it over to third, and reverse. Neutrals right here. And she could jerk that column and that stick. It was scary. We loved riding with Grandma Strong when we were small because in the 1960s, when I was small, you can do your addition on how old I am, we were in the back seat. There were no seat belts. So you bounced along. When Grandma hit a bump or she went over a railroad crossing, do it again, Grandma, do it again. We love it. Now, as we got older and were in our adult phase, we could see out the front and we could see what we were doing in this car, and it was rather scary. Her confidence came from the fact that my uncle, her son, was a state trooper. <laughs> and she was a faithful member, card-carrying member of the Ohio State Troopers Association, and she had a sticker on the back of her car to prove it. There was her confidence. And she would fly, literally. It took us, usually, from Charleston, West Virginia, to her home in Lima, Ohio, before interstates, folks, this is two-lane roads, nine and a half hours. It took her six. 
Grandma, did you stop? Yes, I stopped and let the dog walk and I got about six. She did get stopped several times, which she just pointed to her sticker and said, I bet you know my son. My uncle got several calls, please slow down your mother. But um, he said, yeah, mm-hmm, so. But I want to talk to you now about a better type of confidence. But first, let me t share with you a little bit about our story. David has just been anointed by Samuel, as we talked about last week, as the next king of Israel, replacing Saul. But the time is not right for him to assume this position, so he goes back in the field and he tends sheep. David is the youngest and the smallest of Jesse's eight sons. In fact, some say he was the runt of the litter. Now there is a standoff between the Israelites and the Philistines in the Valley of Elah. The Israelites are up here on a ridge and the Philistines are up here. If you would go down the valley, that puts you at a strategic disadvantage because your foe, your opposition, is up here. Goliath is said to be seven feet tall. He has armor covering his head, his arms, his body, and his legs. The only place that is open is his face, his forehead. And so to defeat the Goliath, David took a smooth stone from his leather pouch and slung it to the only open spot that was on Goliath's body. He hit the mark and Goliath fell dead. Now Malcolm Gladwell in his book, David and Goliath, which is a very interesting read by the way, describes three types of warriors in ancient armies. There's the cavalry, which are the men on horse, back, or chariot. The infantry, which are people on foot, and they are covered in armor, and they have swords and shields. But the third group are called slingers. Slingers have a leather pouch attached two sides with rope. They put a rock in the pouch. They turn it in wider and stronger circles, and then they let go of that one side string and the rock is hurled. A skilled slinger could kill or seriously injure a target up to 200 yards. Malcolm Gladwell describes this as standing in front of a major league baseball player while he throws a baseball at your forehead. I suspect David was a very good slinger and on those many long days of watching sheep, he practiced quite a bit. So Goliath is loaded down with 100 pounds of armor, so he cannot move quickly. But David has no armor on, as we read in our narrative. He can run freely. Saul tried to put his armor on David, but it was too heavy. It was too bulky. But David was able to run sling the stone, and land it precisely. But why did he have so much confidence? Where did his courage come from? People told him he was just standing there to watch. He was a lowly sheep herder. 
He was the smallest in the line of Jesse's sons. Let's go back to verse 34 to 37. That's the key. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by the hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistines. David remembered what God had delivered him from before. That's where his confidence came from. By remembering what God has done in his life, he was confident that God was with him. He was not confident himself, although God certainly gave him the skills. But God was there to help him defeat Goliath using those skills. So this begs the question, where does our confidence lie? We are taught to be self-reliant. We are taught to be ourselves. We are, there are hundreds of books. If I went on my Kindle this morning and, and there was like five self-help books. You are the one for the job. You can do this. You, you are the best. You can make money. You can have lots of stuff if you just be yourself. Which it's good to be confident in who we are. But it's better to be confident in whose we are. So what happens to your confidence when the bear and the lion confront you? When I think of a lion, I think of a lion's roar. This animal makes a lot of noise when he wants attention or he feels threatened. His roar is scary and it's demanding. And in our lives, we confront a lot of noise, threatening our security and sometimes threatening our safety. We hear things that are threatening, that are scary. It's all around us. A bear, on the other hand, can cause a lot of damage. He's a big creature who likes food, and he tears up a lot of our bird feeders when he comes down, and our trash cans, and he makes quite a mess. Don't we have things or people in our lives that do the same thing? We know people who are hurtful, situations that are just plain messy. Life is not very clean. Or easy sometimes. We've all been confronted to situations similar to David's lion and bear. We've all been confronted with Goliath. So how do we defeat them? I will give you two ways. First, look at scripture and see what God says about you and how you are a child. What about your situation? For example, Deuteronomy 31.6, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'm sure David was very familiar with this passage. 
Isaiah 43, 2 says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. Isaiah 49, 6. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hand. Did you know your name is written on God's hand? He holds you that close. What does scripture say about you and how much you mean to God? You are loved, you are held, and protected by a loving God. That is good news, and those scriptures were only a few from the Old Testament. So when you get time, sit down and do a word search on what it means to belong to God. Second, David's confidence was in remembering how God had delivered him. He recited to Goliath that he came in the name of the Lord. This same Lord helped this small boy slay a lion and a bear. And that's how our confidence is built. When we remember where we were, what we survived, how God's hand was with us each step of the way. We all have bumps. We all have major hits on our lives past. But you're here looking at me so I know you survived. And it's because of God that you did survive and you continue to survive. I want you to think for just a moment about a time when you saw God's hand helping you survive during a particularly troubling time. Think a minute. I remember a time in my life. It was 1986. First week in July. Isn't it amazing how we can remember dates, but we can't remember what we had for breakfast. But this was the first week in July. My first husband, the father of my children, moved out on a Monday, leaving me with a five-year-old and a one-year-old to raise. On Wednesday of that week, my appendix decided to move out it ruptured. I ended up in the hospital. My parents had my children. And on Friday, my brother, Bill, who I've shared with before, died of an overdose. I didn't know who to feel sorry for the most. My parents, who had a daughter who was distraught, or while they watched my children, tended to me in the hospital, or to plan funeral arrangements for their son. I hit bottom. And I knew that I knew that Patty could not bring herself out of this thing. I just knew it. And I turned to God. And I pulled out my scriptures. And every day, I put in me, I will never leave you nor forsake you. When you pass through the waters, you will not drown. The fire will not burn you. Over and over and over, 
This took four years. I'll be very honest. It took a long time. But now when I get afraid or scared or some, a Goliath comes my way, I remember what God brought me through. How God was with me through that very, very, very difficult time in my life. I'm thankful for the journey. I don't want to do it again. I'm very thankful. Did you hear me? <laughs> no, leave the rock down. <laughs> That's where our confidence comes from. What we are in the scriptures and remembering what God has done for us. We face them in God's confidence and not our own. Our own confidence will fail us in times of stress, but God will never, ever fail us. Back to Grandma Strawn. She was one of great faith in God. I have one of her Bibles, and she has written in it, and she has put notes. She taught me about a God that never failed. She survived the Great Depression, two world wars, and many conflicts. And she lived to the age of 88, and we took her keys away at 86. She wasn't happy. But she taught me about a God I could trust. So you have received a rock today. You know, my favorite hymn is My Hope is Built. And the chorus says, on Christ the solid rock I stand. So as you think this week about what your confidence is based on, look at this rock. And let it remind you that your confidence is in the solid rock. And God is that rock. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Will you pray with me? Gracious and holy God, we come to you now and we just ask, search our hearts. Where is our confidence? Where does this lie and, and what do we need from you? How can we build that confidence to be solidly on you? Draw us to your word, Father, and draw us to memories of how you have been there and walked with us. We are so thankful that you are with us, and we are so thankful for your servant David who demonstrated that confidence. In your precious name, amen.